Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Ghost Spider Groupies, the podcast dedicated to Gwen Stacy of Earth 65, also known as Spider Gwen and Ghost Spider, where we review her comics, discuss news, and give our opinions about all things Gwen 65. I'm Abigail. And I'm Pax. Uh, for this week's Week Gwen update, we have a little bit more information about the Gwenverse book. We know who the colorist is going to be, uh, at least at the start. It's going to be Frederico Blee. Uh, who, uh, what's Frederico Blee done? Well, to what I've read, uh, he colored Ab's Car and Lethal Protectors, and it, most recently ASM number seventy-eight BEY. Yeah, yeah, it's a uh, it's nice. Uh, col- he's got a colorful color style. Um, yeah, he's got bright colors, and um, and yeah, yeah. I checked out his Instagram page, uh, and yeah, he's got some nice pieces on there. I, I recommend taking a look at them. Got a good feeling about the art team for Gwenverse. I'm 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 looking forward to looking at the art. <laughs> if nothing else about that uh book yeah gwen's art should be bright it shouldn't be all dark and depressing despite uh her attitude yes uh we we're only we're only a few weeks away from gwenverse now as well like we're on the cusp of it you know it's been actually it's only um next week it's next week it's next we we're, we're right there we're right we're coming right up to it so yeah, listeners, we've been on a journey. We we started this podcast last May, is that right? Yep. Last May, we've been doing this podcast. We have done every single speaking role of Gwen Stacy 65. Uh, we've produced a an, an episode for each issue or arc. Uh, we have reviewed uh, and summarized and synopsized and ranted and raved today we come to the very last one of those episodes where we look back um at uh, gwen stacy 65 comic and and talk about it um this is part three of our last remains uh, uh read through this is the amazing spider-man event written by nick spencer uh and uh, matthew rosenberg uh we've got art by mark bagley Federico vicentini uh takeshi maezawa and patrick gleason um and we're gonna be getting into that today uh we've been we've it's this this whole event uh kindred's doing mind games and he's also doing very physical games where he kills peter parker a lot uh and um and and he has an agenda and he a secret identity but it's not really secret he's harry osborne but not really um it's confusing um yeah uh, i don't want much to say on that part but yeah um and we're gonna be um we're gonna be getting into all of that today um so yes uh for our last last remains episode uh we're gonna do as always, a synopsis where we uh, get everybody on the same page and summarize uh, the event. But if you would like to read today's issues, uh, please uh, do go read uh, from the Amazing Spider-Man 2019 run, uh, 2019, 2018 run. Uh, please read uh, issues uh, 53.LR, uh, 54.54.LR, and issues 55, 56, and is it 57 as well? Mm-hmm and 57 as well so please do read those issues uh, then come back to us so that we can all uh complain about this at the same uh, on the same page um so yeah i think complain is kind of a little bit harsh i think we're just um criticizing it <laughs> it is it is harsh i'm complaining uh everybody else is free to enjoy <laughs> Uh, no, there's good stuff here. There is. Uh, this is an enjoyable read. I like the last third of this um, more than the last one. I think uh, so. Just because it's over. 
it is over, and um, and there's some good moments. Nick Spencer's Nick Spencer manages a lot of good Spidey moments, I think, within the realms of a very messy event. I think so. Uh, we, we'll get into that, I'm sure. Yep. Okay, so I think we're gonna start the synopsis right now. Let's do it. All right. So Moreland tracks and kills the group of spider mutated Sin Eater followers feasting for the first time in a long time. Sin Eater confronts the sated supervillain reflecting on the nature of faith, sacrificing for a yet unseen reward. The two fight and Sin Eater wins by eventually luring Moreland into a trap by concealing his shotgun out of the way and pulling the trigger remotely. The Order of the Web and Doctor Strange pick their way through the astral nightmare landscape left behind by Peter when he used the hand of Vashanti. Gwen expresses frustration to Madame Web that Peter felt compelled to take a certain choice because he wanted to protect her. Grotesque versions of people from Peter's life attack and interrupt the conversation, including a giant demon resembling Mary Jane. Strange stays behind to hold her back while the Order escapes through the portal that Peter left behind. Upon finding out that Kindred is Harry, Peter pleads with him not to let anyone else get hurt and that they can stop this together. Harry rejects this, seeing Peter as the real purveyor of hurt, which causes Peter to mock him for falling for the same demons that he previously succumbed to. Pete throws a few more punches, but Kindred responds that he is the demon and kills Peter again and again, each time bringing him back to life to torture him further. Kindred makes the case that Peter is unable to meaningfully allow a person in their sins to stand for what they are, and just keeps trying to bury the reality of the actions he has taken. Kindred demands that he confess, showing him the situation with Sinita's plans to kill the Order of the Web and Mary Jane's fraught return to New York. Now empowered by Moreland's spider-soul sapping abilities, Sin Eater fights the Order of the Web. He is more than a match for the team, and in an attempt to end things quickly, Madame Web openly sacrifices herself by letting Sin Eater shoot her outright. He soon gains her abilities of foresight and is ridden with visions of how futile his cause is and kills himself. Kindred seizes the Order moments later, dragging them to his confrontation with Peter. That's Nakar taking her to the showdown between Spider-Man and Kindred. Mary Jane considers how in the past when Harry was the Green Goblin that he still didn't try to hurt her. Norman guides MJ to the location and sends her in with an earpiece. She makes it clear that she doesn't trust him and that she's do just doing this for Harry. Once MJ leaves, Norman meets with Kingpin and his goons, agreeing to an alliance so that they can capture Kindred with their shared resources. Peter and the Order of the Web are tied up around Kindred's Dinner of the Dead. He sees the legacy spider heroes as an extension of Peter's recklessness, but Gwen retorts that they put on the costumes of their own accord without ever looking for Peter's permission. Mary Jane arrives and Peter breaks free once more, but is soon stopped again by Kindred. MJ asks that they have Kindred's dinner instead of fighting. Harry expresses more anger at Peter for acting selfishly, particularly in not telling anyone about Norman's secret supervillain persona when he had amnesia and could have gotten help. Peter apologizes for the actions that caused Harry to turn himself into kindred, but he retorts that Peter did this to him. Harry is furious at this point and is on the verge of killing Peter outright again. MJ talks him down, offering her own death up as a more damaging loss for Peter than even his own death. Before Kindred can do the deed, however, Green Goblin interrupts by taunting Harry and throwing pumpkin bombs in the chamber. They detonate, allowing Fist to trigger a trap that contains Kindred. As the trap binds Kindred, MJ and the Order of the Web escape the scene. Using the powers of the spot, 
Kingpin worked on a plan to create a miniature dark force dimension to incarcerate his enemies. With Norman distracting Kindred, an opening was left to contain the demon who is soon taken to Ravencroft for Norman to oversee his rehabilitation. Kindred remains in a trance of sorts, though, and refuses to talk to anyone. Kingpin prepares to violently interrogate him, but Norman insists that he should be the one to have the first go, given that he can do the most hurt to Harry. However, this appears to be a ruse of sorts, and Norman is genuinely remorseful for his actions as a father and feels guilty for his son's current state. The last thing Kindred said before being trapped was that he wanted to show Peter how he was the cause of everyone's suffering, and wanted his father to feel guilty for his actions free of the goblin's corruption. He wanted them to use this event and unravel the truth they've been running from. The sins captured by Sinita swarm across the city, returning to their hosts, except Norman, who remains free of his demons. Following the fight with Kindred, the Order of the Web, particularly Gwen, expressed their frustration at Peter's choices that were ostensibly made on their behalf. With that in mind, Peter later seeks out Norman, smashing into Ravencroft. He accuses him of the same old tactics— Norman pleads with Pete that he's changed now and that they and Mary Jane should focus on helping Harry. Peter is furious though, sick of being caught up in this feud instead of helping people as Spider-Man. He wants Kindred to stay locked up and threatens Norman if he tries otherwise. Peter turns to leave and Norman places a hand on his arm, asking him to wait, but Peter lashes out, beating Norman and drawing blood before leaving. Peter's spider allies meet and decide to stick together under the new name, The Order. They want to help Peter even if he refuses the assistance. Peter goes home to Mary Jane and the two reflect that this isn't over. All right, we did it. We did. We did. We did it. We made it we through did it. in one piece. Lois Seamus, we did it. Yeah, Pete, Pete didn't make it through so well, but but we did. Well, we're not the ones who had to be killed over and over just to do this. Oh, yeah. The, this This was too far. Watching Peter Parker get beaten in the face with a rock by Kindred broke me. Like, I did not enjoy that. And I didn't, I didn't, like, it was bad before, but here, like, there is an extended sequence where Kindred kills Peter in multiple different ways. Messes with me. It's not fun. It's too much. Did you catch how one of the kills was hauntingly similar to uh, Nightfall when Bane broke Batman's back? Yeah, no, that that does look very Bane. Uh, they've kind of squashed it though, like it's in a thinner panel. But yeah, yeah, like it's the same. It's the same motion with the knee. Um, there's how many times does Pete get killed in that one sequence? Because uh, obviously he's had his neck snapped earlier on in the in the run. Neck snap, rock, drowning, fire, slash throat. Uh. Yeah. Um. There's there's like a boa constrictor moment. And then we got, uh, like, as we mentioned earlier, the Bane moment. It, it's brutal. It is, it is excessive. And, like, the last, the, the, the last time I remember this happening in a comic book we read is Ben Riley with Jackal. Like, it's the same thing where a villain, like, is just killing a, the character over and over again and, like, resurrecting them. And it's just, it's not a fun read. It, yeah. it feels very, like, kind of, like, it's dialing up trauma for the sake of trauma. But I'm guessing with... Pete, like, it's not 25 times. Well, at least that hasn't been mentioned 25 times. No, it, yeah, right, yeah. I mean, I mean, 
Yeah, it's not there, but like honestly, it's like it's just brutal, and and I'm not I'm not having a fun time with that. Like to me, that felt really excessive. Like I I'm not one to be like there are lines that you can cross as a writer. Like there are things that you should never write about. But honestly, the whole like just randomly killing a character off over and over again, resurrecting them for shock value in like these montage sequence things. I hate that trope. I really really hate that trope. It's really not a fun time, um, and I I don't. Yeah, it's not great. I didn't but, enjoy that part. But did you happen to catch Kindred's dialogue that um like he knows what it's like to die over and over again and then um when you read later Sinister War how uh, um it was mentioned that the twins um they died and revived over and over again by Mephisto. Yes, so the twins had, that happened to twins and it had also happened to Harry as well, right? Like Harry had died a couple of times at least. So um or at least come close to it, right? Um, no, I think OG Harry was dead as dirt. Oh, poor chap. What What about Computer Harry? How many times did Computer Harry died? Like, the one who was here? Nope, he's been, um, dormant the whole time. It's just that, remember, with the twins, because of their, uh, accelerated aging, um, mm. they had to keep being clones, so essentially that was, you know, dying and then coming back to life again until they got their powers. Right. Honestly, the thing with the twins like confused me a bit more here because like there's there's some moments where like Kindred is speaking with real anger about stuff that had happened to Harry Osborn in the past, and it doesn't line up that that would be Gabriel Stacy. Like, it doesn't like to me feel like a like a Gabriel like like oh yeah Gabriel would be mad about that too. Like, why would Gabriel care about the teen drama era of Peter Parker comics, right? Um, and, but but and and yet that's what happens here, and it feels very very strange. It, yeah, it's been established in the seventy three and seventy four that Mephisto actually just gave the twins access to Harry's memories, so that's why, um, they're pretending to be Harry just to get under everyone's skin. Yeah, it's um, yeah, it's it's kind of awkward, like, because it does feel like like Computer Harry. Obviously, he had a role, like he was. Like he had some say in what was happening here, right? Like he was doing, he was he was working behind the scenes. Is it possible, like he had like specific grievances that he wanted them to raise? Um, because Computer Harry was made before his sacrifice in Spectacular Number Two Hundred, so, um, yeah, obviously he was made before Harry's death, but he wasn't. Um, I don't. What's the right word? Um, rectified or something? Yeah, like it's um redeemed. Is it redeemed? It redeemed, yeah. Yeah. Um yeah, I, I yeah, no, it's it, it it definitely feels like upon reading all of the run and looking at the re- at the reveal at the end, now obviously it is physically Gabriel and Sarah. Uh but to an extent Harry is is still got some say in how the in sort of the motives and like the specific things that like they get mad about. Like that's that's Harry too. In a way, yeah it's it's not an entirely yeah like i to me it doesn't feel like it's an entirely fake out reveal at this point upon upon thinking about it and having read it all now it doesn't it it doesn't feel like a complete fake out reveal it just, it's like it's like a partial fake out like it, it it isn't harry but it is sort of moment you know yeah i think you could tell that by the end of spencer's run he needed to wrap everything up <laughs> 
Yeah, and, and I think looking back at like last remains, it, it's not really clear why this was that like that like the actual motivation of Kindred in putting things into motion in this way to me doesn't really make sense. Like, because obviously, like there's this point at the end where um where Kindred uh, talks about um why he did what he did um and and it was it was to target Peter and Norman right uh, Norman it makes sense right like why he would use sin eater in the way he did because it meant that um it meant that Norman was was cleansed of the goblin's corruption and could feel guilt and remorse for all the things he does and you, you know you can see how that sort of uh messes with him uh, that sort of makes sense but the stuff with Peter doesn't really quite land like honestly um it, it's not really like they talk a lot about like this original sin which 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 is sin's past right what's up with that like this is a really strange way to let them know that sin's past happened like this is a really weird thing yeah we were all expecting one more day to come out of this when really his ultimate sin was forgetting about the stacy twins <laughs> which which you know and even if it had been one more day would that have made more sense or would have like obviously like that that would have been i think a more cathartic outcome like obviously that's the thing we want to see retconned more i think in the in the in the grand scheme of things um but but uh like even at the same time like this is a really really strange way to to try and get a confession out of pete because obviously he doesn't remember and like this is supposed to be like one a really elaborate way of getting him to like confess to it but then also like a way of trying to point him in the direction of the sin um like just it's just such a roundabout way of doing things and again there's all this like trauma and stuff that's going off at the same time all this destruction it's like you know why is this happening like like they set up kindred as this like omnipotent omnipotent omnipresent this just all-powerful force, right? Like, he is just doing all kinds of crazy, wild stuff. Um, and looking back at it, it's not 100% on what the motives are here. Like, like it doesn't, it doesn't feel like a, like, a, like a clear character with an internal logic to it. Like, it, it feels really strange. Because I feel like at some point off-panel that Sarah and Gabriel found out what they really were, and then I guess they were driven insane that they weren't considered real. Yeah, like honestly, I think that that the story, like conceptually, I don't think the story is wrong. Like I feel like they could have. There's enough stuff there that they could have created enough like connective tissue within the narrative to make it all make sense. But, but that that's not really done in that way. Like it's it doesn't. Yeah, it just like the execution isn't there. Um, and and yeah, it's a it's a really strange story in hindsight to read. Like if you had to describe Last Remains to somebody, how would you describe it? Honestly confused it is so confused it's a really confused story i i it doesn't really know what it's it's supposed to be or what it's trying to do and you gotta remember the fact that um in sinister war like by the end there's still another set of stacy twins being grown in the lab so i'm just wondering what's gonna happen to those two are they still gonna have a uh, computer harry's memories yeah, like I mean, uh, you know, and who's gonna raise them? Is it gonna be Mephisto raising these these twins directly? I just, it's, I don't. This was a really weird way to regurgitate sins past. Like there was a different way of retconning it. I think, um, and and the fact that it like they just it just took so long. It's a lot of it's so long, and and in the execution it still doesn't work. So it's like it's not that they didn't have enough time to do it. But at least it established that Norman didn't sleep with Gwen, so thank God. Yeah, we'll take that. I'll take that. 
you know, I, Nick, Nick Spencer never does anything else in comic books, which I'm, I'm sure he will. He's doing some stuff with Substack. Um, uh, we can always look back at um, the 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 his amazing Spider-Man run as having uh, fixed a, a really strange arc from from earlier with Gwen. So yeah, that's that. Yeah, and um, but we still gotta give props to Kindred here. How um how the twins they played everyone the whole time. Yeah, they did. Um, everybody kind of gets drawn into this um, throughout the whole sort of Spider-Man cast. I don't, I don't think anybody escapes it. Because at the end of this event, you know, Gabriel said that he's exactly right where he wants to be while Sarah does all of the other stuff. Yeah, uh, honestly, like, they, yeah, they have this, that that whole thing where he's, like, stuck in a trance. Kindred, Kindred just stays frozen and stuck in that box while, like, Norman like pleads with him and and yeah they think they have kindred like under lock and key when in reality like they're warming up for sinister war and honestly like looking back this really does feel like more like a prelude for sinister war and like the end of the nick spencer spider-man run yeah um and, and again reading sinister war i'm not really sure what the motive was there for it i mean Nah, I think that was just one whole big character orgy because you got Spidey, you got Norman, MJ, and then you got six Sinister Sixes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they 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 did. And then you got they... the Kindred Twins. Yeah, and and again, and again, like honestly, like just the internal logic to it, like they make Kindred so powerful. Kindred is able to do anything and everything, and yet is just what exactly does kindred want to do with all of that like is that like i, I mean like play really elaborate like this is like when you read the joker stuff and and like joker like just does really elaborate plans with batman and like he could kill him but he's not really like he's like this really all like they, they, they do this a lot with villains where they set a villain up as like being this all-powerful playing loads of mind games doing loads of trauma but like really what are they doing like what's the motive what's why why that you know like and and at a certain point, like you kind of get a bit, you get a bit, you get a bit tired of it. You want a villain who feels like tangible in terms of, you know, what they want and uh, and their limits and different ways of getting it. And you can look, and there are villains who do this really well. Like I think Carnage does it well, and I think Green Goblin does it well. They both have a similar thing where they have a very specific kind of beef right um with with like peter parker and they kind of want to cause chaos and they'll kind of play mind games and they'll do drama but they feel tangible like they have limits um whereas kindred doesn't really feel like kindred doesn't really feel like kindred has limits kindred just just, just does anything and everything that expensive wants them to be able to do i guess it's because um remember um in the twins case because of their accelerated aging well technically they'd be children so i guess they would have the mindset of a like what a child villain would do exactly and i think like part that they should they should use that then like they should they should they should acknowledge that they're messy and they're they're doing things in a way which is irrational because these are irrational individuals um and and they're not uh, acting uh, from a place of you know like regulated thinking like they're they're the you know they're, they're 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 coming from a place where they're not uh thinking properly and and you know that would make sense but they don't even use that um like they just it feels more like they they, they want to set them up as being these all-powerful all-knowing villains except they're not not really 
because in the end they end up they end up stumbling over themselves and getting beaten by Pete anyway. So like, yeah. what's up with all of that? But I gotta admit, like, um, like kind of felt bad for them when they died for the umpteenth time, like asking if they never really had a mom. Yeah, like honestly, it, it's just sad. Like it's a really sad thing to read. Like, and, and that kind of hope that you kind of look for in a Spider-Man story, you know, that hope about uh, the redemption of the human condition and 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 finding, uh, find and you know, like using our guilt to sort of you know pushing through guilt and and loss to to be able to build something new and and you know to help our fellow human being. All of that, right? Like you know, which is present in like most Spider-Man stories. Like just just doesn't it's not really here uh it just you know if it, it feels really soulless um in terms of like just what it's trying to say about like who pete is like it's just it's just it's like it's like it's playing up the guilt aspect without really following through on 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 much else uh in terms of like you know what is it trying to say about the the nature of power and responsibility uh, and um is it just that like pete shouldn't help is that what it's trying to like? It doesn't really know what it wants to say. It just wants to find. It just want to poke. It just wants to poke holes in the actions that Pete has taken in prior continuity. Like that's kind of what it wants to do, um, and that feels cheap. Uh, like it doesn't. It's not like a coherent thought on on what Pete should be doing, really. Yeah, I guess it's um all in all the whole Pete kindred drama with the Stacy twins. Um, it's a mixed bag of worms. Yeah, yeah, and, and the thing is, it's it's not it's not hard to to take uh like something meaningful from it because there there's a really good moment in this that I I really liked, and that's the stuff with um Sinita and Faith, and there's this there's a lot about um uh, Sinita like is uh, starts acting right in the tie-in issues as you know separate from Kindred, right, but, but prior. He had been taking orders from Kindred and was very actively and visibly empowered by Kindred, right? Um, and he was having a great and fun time with that. But now he's on his own. He doesn't even have his followers. And he doesn't actually even know if his shotgun will still do the thing anymore where he gets the powers from the people he shoots with it. And it, it looks kind of touch and go for him. And he's reflecting a lot on the fact that he is he is just putting faith in his situation. Um, and, and essentially, like, that is the nature of faith, right? Like, you trust in something that you can't see and that you don't get the reward for until you you know you make the sacrifice um and that's like kind of like and sinita reflects on this and he he decides that this is uh this is his his cause and he's gonna like and then ultimately it falls through right all of that was very interesting um and uh, very very compelling stuff and and yet like the, that level of writing and that level of using themes in, into interwoven into like the action and the character narrative isn't there in the main bit. Like, like I got to a point where like those last few tie-in issues, I was really vibing with it. Like I was really enjoying it. And then I'd switch over to the main book and I'd be like, Oh great. More trauma. You know, um, I, I was disappointed in the main book where like the, the tie-ins eventually like sort of, pulled through a bit there at the end yeah i'm yeah i was just uh getting lost on whenever i was alternating between these issues like um w wouldn't there have been a neater way to tie everything in together yeah like and honestly like it sort of felt like uh, nick spencer gave the toys that he couldn't fit into the main book to matthew rosenberg to play with like he essentially said here's the order of the web here's sinita here's morlin 
um uh, his strange his black cat go nuts right and like matthew rosenberg just kind of found places for them to be while the main book happened right um and and he just sort of has them fight and then he has and, and then and then he makes sure they're in the right place for them to be folded into like the end sort of sort of scene um and uh yeah it's 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 a bit of a messy approach like you get um like obviously like i mentioned nick spencer did eventually go to work on some stack so like does is he kind of like checked out a little bit towards this point in the writing process because like it, it does feel a lot messier when it is just him writing um and and when another person comes in and writes it's you know like there's and brisson was brought on to write for stuff like sinister war like it, it does feel a lot like maybe like nick spencer kind of he got to a point with his amazing spider-man run where he didn't really want to be writing it anymore like it just you know he was just kind of going through the motions yeah because uh i think the story that i told you well off the air was that um when rosenberg was brought on it was because uh, nick spencer was getting ready to leave for a uh, sub stack so he needed to uh, catch up and then um like uh, spencer sent rosenberg the script for lr and then rosenberg rewrote it because he found it too boring and then spencer found the edits too funny that's you know that that's crazy to me honestly i i, I want to see matthew rosenberg write some more amazing spider-man i'm not gonna lie um because i i actually really did like these uh the the tie-in issues beyond the weird demonic possession stuff very interesting i i thought that whole like nightmare sequence where um gwen and uh, madam webb going back and forth over how he is making these decisions because he's compelled to save these people um, instead of like making like the best decision. He's kind of making decisions out like a gut fear of having to protect her uh, because she resembles Gwen 616. And that's really frustrating for that whole dialogue. Really interesting. Um, and, and you almost get the sense that like even Madam Webb is kind of condescending to Gwen a little bit. Um, and yet, uh, like there's none of that follow through in like the main book after a certain point. And, and you're like, you sort of want it to be like i'd be interested in that conversation i'd be interested in this like this interesting narrative about like sinita and and faith like like uh, it feels like a really nice conclusion to all of the sinita stuff from like the main book earlier on in the run um and and uh like using morlin uh yeah like it it, it is the tone is, I guess, a little bit more upbeat. Like characters, I feel like, are more inclined to joke, and the trauma doesn't land in the same way. Like they're they're, they're more conscious of, I guess, how that sort of works. Like there is trauma, you know, but like it's not it's not played up in the same way that it is in the main book. And and honestly, Rosenberg reading Nick Spencer's script and saying this is too boring seems really funny to me. Like um, because honestly, and then is... how the edits were too funny. Yeah, I, I want to see the Matthew Rosenberg like comedy Last Remains run. Like, what if Last Remains, but it's a it's a it's a Rosenberg written comedy. The Rosenberg cut. Yeah, the re- release the Rosenberg cut. Uh, Marvel Comics, pretty please. <laughs> or um, may- yeah, maybe I'll ask him again when he um, whenever he's at a convention or g- goes on the live stream again. <laughs> Yeah, I, I no, I, yeah, no. It's Matthew Rosenberg. I, it was a really good pick, I think, for this uh, event. Uh, he's definitely, you know, he did the work. He really did the work, um, and you feel it when you read those tie-in issues, um, even with the weird demonic possession stuff. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think um, before we um, go off the cliff, like, did we want to uh, talk about our individual character thoughts? Yeah, let's do it. Um, Gwen gets a bit more speaking roles in this. Like, she's she's the main. 
like her and Madame Webb are the main speakers for uh, for the order here. Um, and and yeah, like she's disappointed in Peter for his choices. And yeah, like this isn't like this is a running theme with her and Peter that other writers have like. I I don't know if like they coordinated on this, but so, but like just just logically thinking through how Peter six one six would react to the existence of Gwen sixty five is he's going to be overprotective of her. Um, and we see this happen in Outlawed with uh, Sean and Maguire writing them. And we see this again here with with Gwen disagreeing with Pete, and and I do feel like there's a tension between these two characters now because essentially every time that they've interacted for the past what four years in comic books, they've had the same problem. I want to see a writer like resolve this between the two, or either have them like fight or whatever. I don't know. Um, yeah, it was jarring how at the beginning of Last Remains because this was after party people how um she's suddenly good with Pete again, and then later on in fifty six and fifty seven. Um, she's angry with him again, but for a different reason. Yeah, no, I want to see what's going on. I want to see them develop that a bit further. Uh, I, I don't know whether they're going to have time to do it in Gwenverse, or, or even if Zeb Wells is going to feel compelled to do it in his amazing Spider-Man run. But somewhere, you know, if Pete and Gwen interact, I feel like that should be developed a bit more, that essentially these two characters disagree at a fundamental level about how they should work together um and that they've done it multiple times i I think is is interesting um and the fact that it happens here is is done in an interesting way um and you know madam webb is like oh we got to have this conversation at another time is now another time can now be another time please because it's not (laughs) it was it wasn't in the event so you know any writer who has an opportunity to write these two again together in the same book please consider um, the fact that they have choices to be made about that relationship. Well, I guess uh, Gwen and Madam Webb's conversation, well, in fairness, they could have had more of that, but, you know, they were too busy running away from the Dreamland demons. Yeah, 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 the the action was too pressing. And uh, those Dreamland demons were weird. Like... Like they were, they were like some some freaky stuff was going on. Yeah, you got the sniper who shot Aunt May, and then you got zombie Aunt May, and then uh, you got Fisk as a kaiju, and then we got um Demon MJ. The de- the whole Demon MJ sequence was really like like freaky. Uh, like, cause she, she, she's been repeating this whole line about like the answer is yes for so long. And then there's this like extended transformation sequence where she turns into a giant demon monster and all her clothes tear off. And like, I, I'm reading it and I'm like, the writer's barely concealed fetish. Like it's, it's, it's <laughs> no, is this Spencer or is this Rosenberg? <laughs> you like, whose idea was it to have MG transform into a giant naked demon monster? Because, um, excuse me. Don't get me wrong. I'm not complaining. It was a fun moment, but it was, yeah, it was, uh huh. It was interesting. But I want to point out Mayazawa drawing Gwen and MJ again. Yeah, I I really enjoyed that. Like a nice little throwback. Like Mayazawa was uh, wasn't too too long finished with Ghost Spider books at this point. It must have you know, been like like less than a year at this point. Um and um yeah he he got to you got to draw the scenes in the the astral plane, um and yeah he has a really good. Yeah, it was it was a nice nice little 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 callback yeah. for for like, his ghost spider readers. Yeah, he, yeah, he still stays consistent with Gwen although um when he draws MJ, I could tell that um uh, he could make the distinction between MJ65 and then Demon MJ in human form. <laughs> yeah, there's um 
Yeah, as a, yeah, no, as a, it's interesting to see how artists will develop a face for particular characters across different comic books. Um, it's always, it's always, a, it's always an interesting um, little little thing to take a note. Of. Because um, if he drew Demon MJ the same way that he drew MJ sixty five, I'm thinking, good lord. Yeah, that would have been interesting. Yeah, um, I want to see his M Johnage. That'd be fun. Maybe I'll commission that from him. Hey, yeah, you and your commissions, <laughs> loving them. Um, yeah. Uh, who who else? Who else do we get to see here? We've kind of spoken a bit about Spider Man and Pete. Um, Did we say how um how he has enough with the Osborne family drama? He seems so bitter at the end of this. Honestly, like he seems really nihilistic about everything at the end. Like he he actually refuses to help the Osborns at the end of this. He like refuses to help them outright and actually like breaks Norman's nose in the process. It's it was so unwarranted. I was I was disappointed in Pete. And then earlier at the at the dinner party, he punched through clean Kindred's skull. Oh my days, that was hardcore. Yeah, he just. And then you got the uh, brain worms just flying out. Yeah, I. Like I have to wonder at the point where Kindred can fully reform his face and skull, what does he need? the chameleon serum to look like harry osborne what what is i think mephisto forgot to give them everything or that's just another ruse i it's strange to me i i uh, um but yeah like pete is unhinged in this he's just he's completely he's completely lost it um and he does get it back like he, he kind of you know there's a few issues down the line he has like a bit of a chill out session with 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 mj but Honestly, this whole moment, punching through Kindred's face, like you say, beating up Norman, refusing to help the Osborns. That's what sticks out to me. And what really hurts is that obviously, like, Harry Osborne did all of this because he was, he was like, not treated right by Pete. Like, to a point, like, there were certain things that he was entitled to. Like, knowing his father, who had amnesia, was the Green Goblin in his home. Like, like stuff like that. Should have known. Um, and that Pete didn't tell him. Um, and 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 because like that that assistance wasn't there, like like it exacerbated his mental decline and other things. So Pete has a point here which he can like work on, which is you know provide like proper attention and like ownership of his actions towards the Osborns and like those who are around him in his life and close to him. And then he proceeds to not do that and literally just leave Kindred to rot in Ravencroft, which is just awful. Yeah, Pete's whole attitude at the end of this, he's just like, fuck all y'all. For real. Yeah, he is. And and I have to wonder, like, are they gonna... Are they, are they, you know, like, they don't... Like, honestly, it, it doesn't feel like they really meaningfully grapple with that later on in the run. Like, obviously, he, he, like, he mellows out from that position a little bit, but, like, yeah, they don't, they don't really come back around to this point of issue, really, with Pete properly. Yeah, it feels like a shame. Like there was a lost point there, and I'm just wondering, um, because his sin was forgetting about the twins. Is this just because he genuinely forgot about them, or is it because he doesn't want to remember them? Yeah, like honestly, I think there there is a point to be made. Like these people who know his identity, who who like pose very like personal threats to him, 
he does have like a habit of kind of like trying to like just really avoid them, which you know is kind of understandable. Because because uh, I'm pretty but... sure he had to remember how um because Sarah there was one point where um I think she she had a seizure or something, and then uh, Pete gave her his blood to stabilize her. Yeah, it's it's um. It, it seems a bit, a bit off to me that like he should get stuck with the responsibility of the Stacy twins, um, because obviously a lot of other people met and interacted with the Stacy twins before. Like, yeah, I, I was, I was an interesting turn of events there. I feel like they should have really like Peter's Pete sins past is is not Pete's sins. Like the sins past was Gwen Stacy six one six is sin. At least that's what it was initially meant to be before this retcon. Yeah. So I don't know why they stick Peter with with the twins condition really when when really it is Norman who in fairness is also called out in this event. He is the sort of secondary person who has since passed. So I think probably because uh, Pete promised to uh, um, help out the twins and then we never see them again. Yeah. And and they do lay the groundwork here for the reveal about Harry and the twins and stuff um, by having um, Carly Cooper discover the body of the original Harry Osborne among the other bodies that were um, present at the dinner of the dead thing earlier on in the event. Yeah, um, ha- yeah Harry's corpse was never at the party because, you know, Gabriel wanted to uh, keep up appearances. But, um, well, we never find out until uh, 74. But, yeah, I think uh, back then there was speculation that this could have been the original Harry's corpse. Yeah, honestly, like, there are a lot of Spider-Man issues. I, I, reading this made... I tell you what it did. It made me want to go back and read, like, old-school Spidey. Like, like, like the, the, those first couple of hundred spectacular Spider-Man issues, first hundred, hundred and fifty issues of Amazing Spider-Man, because I haven't read those. Um, and... They are so heavily referenced here, and and clearly are heavily referenced everywhere. Really, I mean, among like any Spidey comic, like they're um, like a baseline, or even the films as well. And then when we do find out uh, th- that the corpse was really OG Harry, you know, mm-hmm. act- at least that actually clarified who a uh, brand new day Harry was. Yeah. <sighs> There's a lot of Harrys now. There's, that means there's what, like three different Harrys, right? Like there's the original computer and one more day Harry. Well, it would be brand new day Harry. Brand new day Harry. It's too many. It's, uh, t- t- har- yeah, is there a Harry at the moment, or are all the Harrys dead now? Yeah, all, yeah, all three of them are dead as dirt. I feel. I, I... Well, technically, the uh, computer Harry would just be dormant until someone brings him back online. Okay, just waiting for somebody to press the power button. Um, yeah, uh, I, honestly, I feel kind of, I feel kind of bad for one more day, Harry. Like he kind of just, he just gets written out at the end of of this run, and and I would have preferred him to stick around because obviously he had all that stuff with Liz Allen and Normie and. Well, his death was mentioned in Beyond when uh, MJ told Peter that he's just been through a hard time right now. Yeah. But I'm just wondering who broke the news to Liz and Normie that their dad died again. Uh, yeah, no, it sucks, and and like, yeah, no, I, I thought I was, I, I, I thought it was an interesting little family thing they had going on there. And they would reference it a lot and use it a lot, and you know, they really, really felt like they had like moved Harry to a place where he did have a kind of closure. Um, but this like both and did that, and then like made doubly sure by killing it off. Um, so yeah, I just, yeah. Yeah, I think um that's probably enough of a uh, Peter and by extension Harry. Uh, yeah. Um, I think there's still a bit of 
like more to talk about the order of the web here? Yes. So they have this fight with Sinita where Sinita's like calling them out. Like he's like, Spider Woman, you're the worst. He looks at Jessica Drew and is like, You've done the most evil things. Um but it's quite interesting because to me, like they're trying to make a point about like uh like he still thinks that they have like the the sins of Dwarman Osborne in them, like when they were possessed. Um and they're saying, like, no, 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 we've we've lost those sins. Like we don't have those sins anymore. But he's like, But I can still smell sins on you. So like is the implication that they've still they still have their own demons. Like their own demons are enough to make the city to think that they are like still possessed. Well, Jess did have a shady history out of all of the order. Yeah, they'll do. And I, I can't speak to any Corazon particularly, but um, well, but but definitely like uh, Gwen's made a lot of questionable choices. Like you say, Jess has had like questionable choices. Cindy has has like done stuff. Um, and was locked away for ten years as well. There was all of that, um, like like where like, which I guess you can't really hold overhead. But like the whole inaction of I don't know. I it's, it's it seems strange. There's not a lot of guilt. I uh, no, that's not fair on Cindy. That's not fair on Cindy. Um, I don't know. There's a lot of guilt to go around either way. Yeah, and then uh, and then Gabriel. Um, uh, remember how he said how um that the order is because of peter how um uh, they only formed because uh, everything always has to be about him yeah i hate that the narrative is conscious of that like they don't they don't have to form it then like they don't have to form it like that at least and and the fact that like they they still even when they're talking about like office space and stuff like they're still talking about it in the context of peter it's like you know, and and the way they say like we, you know, we're gonna help Peter whether or not he wants to help or not, and like it's intercut with uh, panels of the you know different Sinister Sixes that show up in Sinister War. You get the impression that the Order was supposed to be like a pro Spider team in the Sinister War um, that just didn't didn't make the cut. Yeah, I think it was teased that they would show up in Sinister War, but yet uh, we never saw them. Although I guess. Uh... Well, it was already a character orgy, but I guess throwing, uh, throwing the order in there um, would have been too much. Yeah, no. Ultimately, I'm glad they didn't show up, but also the fact that they went to all this effort to like set up the order, and then they haven't given them any more comics. They haven't got them in any other uh, issues within this run, um, and like some of these characters are now like actively moving away from their ability to be able to participate in something like the order. Are they are they ever going to use it? I want them to use it. Actually, honestly, I'd be I'd be down for an order comic, like just like a six one six spider team. Although I guess uh, some of them want to be divorced from Peter as much as possible. Yeah, like a like a non. This is the thing. Peter Parker has like he's at the point now where he has accumulated a lot of supporting cast. That that really not all of them they can necessarily hold a comic book all at the same time at least not with Marvel editorial being the way it is and comic book markets being the way they are like but but absolutely I you, you could fit all these characters into one book you could grab Ben Riley when he doesn't have a solo or even when these characters have solos like still put them in like a book and have them do stuff together like I feel it'd be completely fine and normal I, I think that'd be a really fun idea other than having two Spider Man books a month I mean goodness me. I would rather them like do a like spider team up book or a spider verse book where they can continue to use those concepts uh, and these characters that are like set up that people enjoy that people stand like we stand um 
like this is where we exist essentially this sort of like spider adjacent set cast of characters and and like world building right is like they just didn't get the comic they didn't even get a miniseries didn't even get five issues of like the order like i would have been down for that but i am wondering um how would you write an order comic without rehashing any of the other spider team up storylines well i mean i mean you could you could do a bit of rehashing but um i think for for one you could have a lot of these characters like mentoring each other i would like to see similar story beats to like what spider women was using where you have characters who um who are struggling to work with each other because they're kind of more solo actors but they kind of need each other a bit because because they have a shared community they have a shared sort of sense of maybe like guilt and responsibility uh, you know, you could draw in a lot of those sorts of themes and just sort of, you know, have them maybe have a bit of tension, have them fight a couple of CEOs or something, um, have them have them on the run from cops or whatever. And, and you know, like that, that'd be a decent book. They could turn out a few arcs of that. I'm sure people would be into it. Like what would be a um, what would be a relevant um, like um, analogy to this, like with um, with the Bat family? Would it be Gotham Knights? Yeah, like Gotham Knights is a similar concept, right? Like where you've got like bad adjacent characters who team up. Um, but yeah, um, yeah, I, yeah. I guess I guess that'd work. But yeah, it's um, yeah. I I think that there's a hunger for that comic, like the Order. Like I think a lot of people were reading this run and they they saw the Order and they were like, yeah, that's a fun team. Why don't they use that? Uh, you know, we had Abe who who tweeted at us last week, um, and mentioned that you know like the the Order is wasted. They set up the order here and then don't use them, which is just yeah, uh, it's, it's it's a confusing thing. I, I Marvel, let me write an order comic. I would I would write an order comic. Let me do it. I, w- I would be good. Well, I guess you have to figure out um how to write all of the uh, characters and then acknowledge what they're doing in their books right now because um Jess uh, she's dealing with the whole March Hand drama. Silk recently she's uh going up against um. Uh, what was it? Uh, technology or something? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, she's she's got her job with J. Jonah Jameson back. Yeah. And... and then Miles is currently traveling the multiverse with Shift. Gwen's traveling the Gwenverse. And then Anya's with Black Widow. Yeah. How do they have Gwen and Miles doing the same thing at the same time right now? Uh... How 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 does how do, how does this happen? Like they've they've even got uh, another Miles comic where they're doing what if Miles concepts where he's like Wolverine and stuff, and and it looks like they've. But what if is just an anthology? It is, but it feels like it feels like they've gone and done the same thing. They've gone like we've had Miles travel to the multiverse, and also Miles is what got what if things, and they're gonna have Gwen travel to the multiverse, and they're gonna do what if things with Gwen, and it's like why? But is no is Gwen really multiversal traveling or is she time traveling? I think she's multiversal traveling. I think she is traveling to the multiverse. I think we'll see some time travel there, but it she's traveling through space and time. I'm sure. Well, we're gonna find out uh, next week when the issue launches, and then we're gonna be talking about it two weeks after. Yeah, it's the Gwen verse. Or um, since we're um, well, we're gonna be teasing this later on. I guess this month, I, are we gonna be calling it the multiverse of Marchness? The multiverse of Marchness has fun. Yeah, we're gonna be doing a lot this month, aren't we? Yeah, it seems like uh, this year is the year of the multiverse. Yeah, yeah, it's not going away. It's not going away. It's not gonna get bigger. I I think um enough about the order since um yeah they were practically uh 
not put, put to good use. Um, we got MJ mm-hmm. here. MJ uh, works with Norman unhappily because uh, she, because obviously she's got the history with Harry and she wants to help Harry, um, and it does work. And yeah, like she does her bit. She goes in there. She distract. She helps distract. All right, honestly, she's an integral part of the solution at the end here. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah and, she gets she, to utilize her acting. Yeah, she does, and she gets like, and she like talks Kindred down at a couple of points. Like mm-hmm. without her, like things would have escalated in different ways, which would have kind of thrown everything. MJ's just competent. She's a really competent yeah. actor in this. Yeah, and then you know the uh, the pumpkin bomb that um, Goblin threw at her was just really a flash grenade, and then she just told Pete to play along. Yeah, honestly, I would have like reading this. I was like, I was half expecting like that it was a real thing. Like Norman was just like recklessly endangering her life, and like she just kind of had to go along with it. But no, it was this wasn't either flashback. But I'm just wondering, um, if um, if she really knew about Fisk's involvement, like to an extent. I don't think she knew about Fisk. I think the Fisk stuff was kind of shady on Norman's part. Like he's obviously redeemed, but like he still he still got kind of like an underhanded nature, um, and he wanted to use the spot in a way which was unethical. That obviously I think maybe MJ would have disagreed with. Um, so yeah. Yeah, I think um um I think she only agreed to uh the distract Kindred while Norman sets up the uh, prison with Fisk. Right, yeah, yeah, no, yeah, I got that sense. Um, because there are those panels where um you get to see them talking on the earpieces. Yeah, um, yeah, there, there, there was, yeah, there was a lot, there was a lot, there was a lot going off at once. It, it, it sort of felt like, sort of like they kind of pulled it a bit out of nowhere. Like I think there should have been maybe a bit of setup. If the spot is like essentially the thing which can defeat Kindred, then really they should have, like, obviously, like they used what happened with the spot from secret empire where um do they use the spot to like trap new york is that that's what happens right yeah yeah that was shown during a fisk's recap of what happened in secret empire when hydra was taking over the u.s right so i think maybe like in this event at some point they should have shown norman or wilson fisk or whoever like actively coercing or trapping the spot so that um they could uh they could imprison kindred later on because when they do do it it kind of feels like they 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 explain it all and then do the thing all in one issue which is this was a lot but at least this mj when she was angry at norman at least um um she's nowhere near remotely as angry as her 65 counterpart oh yeah yeah, like it doesn't yeah it doesn't escalate like she's obviously really really upset with norman but not to the point where she's unable to work with him and like make sure everything uh goes to plan but she did beat him up with a lamp she did get to beat him up with a lamp honestly that is like norman gets beaten up so many times in this event so many different times norman is like on his back beaten by like different people like he's having a really rough time of it i think he's just grateful it's not a giant symbiote axe yes i think i mean aren't we all no because mj would have bisected norman right there and right right now yeah i I think i think norman 65 would have a harder time with mj 65 no norman 65 is pretty much harmless the only bad thing he ever did was plagiarize tombs i mean he's a ceo he did hire the Punisher. He did stuff. He did stuff. He didn't become the Green Goblin, admittedly, but he did stuff. 
Definitely. Enough that I think like if MJ65 had words with him, they wouldn't be nice words. I think um I think this is the first time that um MJ actually gets to meet Gwen sixty five, although not um she didn't see her face. Yeah. Yeah, they should have interacted. Honestly, like like the the presence of Gwen sixty five is such a like a big thing, like you feel like everybody would have an opinion on it. Uh, but there's just not really time on the panel for it. Yeah, and then you know, um as of right now, post King and Black, there's two MJs on Earth six one six. I'm just wondering um how sixty five would react about the existence of her six one six. Yeah, I feel like there could be like a mentor mentee thing, like six one six could help sixty five and yeah, I don't know. I just but they they haven't got that far with it yet, so I guess we'll see what happens. No, because uh, the only other MJ we uh, got here was we already talked about her, about her already. Her demon counterpart. Mm. Yeah. Uh, well. Yeah. Yeah. We did. Um. There's still um. We talked a little bit about Sin Eater, but that was just only the faith part. The only powers that he stole here were Morlins and Julia's. So he gets Morlin's powers, and he's doing that. He's doing the the spider totem sapping thing, which is interesting. Um, he does look. He looks physically bigger as well. Is that right? I think that's just the way that Maezawa drew him, just to look more imposing. I think even his mask looked a little bit different between artists, because it looked like um with Maezawa, it looked a little bit baggy, but when uh, Vicentini took over, um, it fits on his head just right. Yeah, it's yeah. I guess one of those one of the stylistic choice then. Um, but yeah, he's um, they kill him off in a pretty pretty dicey way. They have him um, like Madame Web sacrifices herself, and he gets those powers of foresight, and he sees that the faith that he's had has been you know essentially futility, which again comes around to like why is Kindred doing what he's doing, um. It's like to the point that like Sin Eater is so distraught about it, and yeah, no, uh, there is a like, like suicide, like they show a suicide, and it's uh, yeah. it's pretty, it's pretty graphic. Well, not that graphic because of um, you know, there's um certain standards when they show death scenes, uh, but yeah, it's even to the point where um, like at the end of the issue, uh, editor Niccolo gives a special PSA about the seriousness of a Sin Eater suicide. Yeah, no, it was um, yeah, it is sort of it, yeah, there's it a, it a whole addendum. Yeah, um, and um, yeah, rereading this that this kind of hit too close to me because um, kind of took it a little bit personally because uh, I'm gonna go tell y'all a story and why this is relevant. So um, yeah, some time ago, like I'm not gonna name names, normal relation to them just to uh, protect the innocent, although ain't nobody innocent. Okay. But um, yeah, some time ago, someone uh, very close to me almost attempted to take their life, and uh, they're getting the help that they need right now. But um, yeah, it was really like yeah, like when I found out, I'm like, oh, like that could have been the worst thing that happened to me. Mm-hmm. And then yeah, that's why um, yeah, that's why I just decided to share it, just because uh, you know um. Yeah, like Sin Eater's suicide is nothing to be glorified about. You know, it's never the answer. And then, you know, yeah, as I said earlier, Niccolo gave the phone number for the uh, hotline in America. Just let me uh, look it up for a minute. Yeah, the number that Niccolo gave if you're living in America is uh, 
8255. That's the uh, National Suicide Prevention Hotline. So if you or anyone you know are um, are having any suicidal thoughts, that's the number to call if you're living in America. Yeah, I think we'll put a couple of lines in the in the description for a couple of different places. Yeah, because um, as we mentioned earlier, you know, this is never the answer. There is help out there. And, you know, this person um, that I'm talking about, they are getting the help that they need. And I'm glad. Yeah, that's good. Thanks, Abigail. It's kind of hard to share that, but, you know, it was really relevant to me. But um, I think uh, I don't want to get like too deep on this. I want to go back to uh, what we're here doing the podcast right of course uh yeah um yeah i don't want to get too depressing no 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 no. thank you for sharing that abigail no i appreciate that um yeah i think i think got like one less character here to talk about uh a little bit more is uh, maybe norman osborne is they uh they they make his status quo as being like free from the goblin kind of permanent um they uh specifically and he he Norman comments on it. Everybody else gets their uh, the demons back, except for him. And this is because um of what happened in Spider Man Beyond. It was mentioned that uh sometime after uh, Last Remains, or even probably during somehow Beyond Corporation got a hold of Norman's sins. I think they do, but also I think Kindred did it deliberately. Uh, Kindred didn't want Norman to like stop feeling the guilt. At the end of, um, uh, it's mentioned in 56, is it? Um, the last thing that Kindred says, uh, I knew the goblin would never let you feel pain, so I had to take him away. Now pain is all you are. And then at another point, yeah, so like, like I think, like, obviously, like the Beyond Corporation maybe like caught those sins uh, at some point, but like. So I'm just wondering since, um, Beyond Corp, it is a multiversal. A corporation so i'm guessing um there might be some shady stuff going on around the multiverse they got tactics and stuff and the tech to uh well capture these sins i'm thinking did the twins have any dealings of beyond corp i don't i mean possibly i think maybe it's just just they left them out there to float and the corporation could have got them that way have they fully resolved that storyline in in amazing spider-man beyond yet uh, not yet. like I haven't read that part yet. I only saw it in the previews because I'm still waiting for my missing issues to come in. That sucks. Yeah. All I know is that Norman sins now belong to Ashley Kafka, Queen Goblin. Oof. Yeah. I, honestly, this is the kind of thing which I could see being reverted pretty easily. But by and large, I actually quite like this. I think this is an interesting status quo of a. It's not really like a redemption so much as like Norman realizing that you know like just sort of feeling guilt and and having uh, like properly regulated emotions and like psychological state just they've kind of like just just pressed the fix it button but it works and I think it's an interesting status quo for him. Yeah, it's kind of like his um cinematic counterpart. You know, right now he's just a scared man who just wants to uh like just make things right again. Yeah, yeah. I guess we'll uh we'll see we'll see how that develops a bit. But yeah, no. Um, he he has an interesting role as a sort of like anti-villain, where obviously he's he's acting in a sort of generally selfish agenda, but like he does have like um like non evil purposes uh like he's not hurting anybody particularly um so yeah that's that's been an interesting sort of situation for him and i and i enjoy that i hope they don't squander that 
Now, I'm just wondering if, um, assuming that the uh, uh, new Gabriel and Sarah fetuses in the lab were kept intact, if Norman just decided to raise them just because he failed Harry. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, uh, I, I guess we'll, I, I guess we'll, I guess we'll find out then. Yeah, it yeah, depends whether or not if um, Wells wants to use the twins again. I hope he doesn't want to use the twins. I really hope he doesn't. I hope, no, I hope. I hope Marvel forgets about the twins. Forget Peter Parker. <laughs> no, without their baggage. I honestly just, just like anything that's about since past does not need to be mentioned anymore. Now that that retcon has been made, we we just need to collectively forget about it. Listeners, uh, podcasters, uh, Marvel writers, and editorial alike all need to collectively now forget about the since past event and everything that it implies. Because since past was like what seventeen, sixteen years ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is now. It's it's long enough ago. It's been retconned. We don't we don't need to go back to that well. We don't need to go back to that well. Well, not really retconned. It's more like um rectified because it still happened. Just it was just all brainwashing techniques. Mm-hmm, absolutely. Um, does that wrap up our podcast episode then? Yeah, I guess. Yeah. That's pretty much it for uh, our third and final part of Last Remains. We did it. We did it. We never have to talk about Last Remains again. Nope. Never again. Never again. No, because the next comic that we're going to be doing is going to be all about our homegirl again. Yes. Yeah. Um. So do you, you want to give us our final opinions about Last Remains? Or um, how, do you feel, how do you feel about it? Yeah, I think, Um. yeah, my final thoughts on Last Remains, like... It's not much for me to say I this was just a bowl of uh, a cloudy soup because because um, with the reveal that Harry was a kindred all this time, you know, my initial thought that I said earlier was like, bitch, please, because I was very because <laughs> con- I was very convinced that this was supposed to be Gwen because she fit the profile the best. Mm hmm. And then with the reveal that was Harry, I guess it sort of kind of makes sense. But no, I still believed it was Gwen, so I was hoping that this was just another fake out, which technically it was going into Sinister War when we find out it was the Stacy twins all along. Mm-hmm. But when I read this retroactively, now I'm thinking, oh, this makes sense now. Yeah. But um, it, essentially, yeah, this is just a bowl of cloudy soup. <laughs> Yeah, it's uh, it's a very very confused event, um, and it's dialing up the trauma uh, without much like actual emotional follow through um, and resolution. And and honestly, it, it feels very regressive for a lot of the characters, with the exception of maybe like Norman. It's not a fun time. I do not like this event. I, and honestly, maybe some parts of it could be explained a bit better with with the additional retcons that they make later on in the run. But honestly, it feels more futile to me to read this event knowing that the two times they reveal it's harry osborne it's it's a technically a fake out so uh, i'm very done with this event and and everything that i've said in the past about how peter parker tends to absorb focus in a very disproportionate and unnatural way in the middle of a narrative in a way that comes to like the expense of other characters around him and, and sort of regresses everybody around him and himself um 
is emblem is 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 is, is, that, is this event is emblematic of all of that and you could have a good writer and you could have a good you could have a good run even um but the moment that you you just have stopped bumping into these issues it, it doesn't really matter it's just like it just you know something breaks down at some point and um you you, you have these characters uh you, you become acting in, in in really strange ways that are not fun um so yeah i think in hindsight every uh, volume has its weakest point yeah it does and honestly like the amazing spider-man run by nick spencer is like there's there's definitely some arcs in there that i like um and, but i don't really like it overall and this is the arc that i like the least definitely i think um the, the one that's just yeah it has the least redeeming factors for me like you only tolerated it just because gwen's here Really, yeah. No, just literally because this is the last uh, non-Gwen Stacy solo title that has a speaking role from Gwen. Um, but yeah, um, does that wrap up Last Remains? Yes. Okay, we have finished our three episodes about Last Remains. Thank goodness. Um, in fact, we have finished, like I said at the outset, um, all of the speaking role Gwen comics, uh, Gwen 65 comics, that is, um, that have been produced uh, since her conception. Uh, we went through her solo runs. We went through all of her crossover titles. We went through all of her team-up books. And we went through uh, now all of her uh, major ca- uh, appearances in the Amazing Spider-Man comics. And we are done. We have finished all of them. And you may say, oh, but whatever shall we do? Well, dear listener, we've paced ourselves. We were patient we've got Gwenverse on the way and so we now enter a new new era of ghost spider groupies the podcast in which uh we focus on new comics about gwen coming out and uh talk about those as well as other things before we get into Gwenverse number one however we've got a very interesting episode coming up we're going to be reviewing the 2018 film spider-man into the Spider-Verse from Sony Animation and directors Lord uh, Miller. Uh, we have a uh, special guest in uh, Evan. Uh, if everybody is familiar with uh, the Twitter account at Evan Reads Comics and the uh, very, very good podcast about comic solicitations called What's Next, um, you will be familiar with this uh, very, very cool person that we're having on. And we're going to talk all things Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse. So we've got all of that goodness uh, with Miles Morales and Peter B. Parker and, of course, probably the most iconic, well, at least well-known version of Spider-Gwen. Um, so we're going to be getting into all of that uh, next time on the podcast. So your homework uh, isn't this time uh, for the first ever time in a Ghost Spider Groupies podcast to actually read any comics. It is to watch the film Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse Um go watch that film wherever it's streaming um or if you have it on dvd or blu-ray or whatever um uh no need to look at any reading lists um let us know what you think about spider-man into the spider-verse do you like that is that that a good film what do you think of gwen in it do you think gwen's in it like after reading all these comics with us do you think that gwen in into the spider-verse is like good bad undercooked overcooked just well done what's your thoughts uh let us know at GS Groupies on Twitter, ghostspidergroupies at gmail.com if uh, you want to email us. Uh, also, please do support us on Ko-fi to pay for the different associated costs with uh, running a uh, little comic book podcast. Um, yeah. And yeah, we're excited to, to do more stuff. This has been good. We've we've made so many podcast episodes. This has been wild. Yeah, I think this is already uh, episode 33. We've made 33 
episodes of Ghost Spider Groupies. That is a that is a that is an achievement. I feel so proud of the work that we've done here. Uh, this 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 little podcast that we've just been working on. We have produced uh summary and reviews of every Ghost Spider comic, um, like comprehensively. And and I and and we will always have that and and like just especially thank you to Abigail who does all of the audio mixing um and and does the bulk of the work with the social media accounts and the notes um just just like from the bottom of my my heart you you are you are a trooper uh, and 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 this has been really great and I am so so excited to be doing more Gwenverse comics thanks Pax but I also have to thank you too with uh, you know you also have to uh, write out all of the notes too. <laughs> I, I yeah I do the synopsis I do the yeah but but yeah um it's 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 a joint effort it is a joint effort and also willing to uh, stay up at your time like until midnight or something yeah yeah I mean naturally it's uh, yeah I mean I mean I to be fair I, I probably would stay up late reading comics anyway so and no anything for our home girl always anything for Gwen. But I'm thinking um, if any of y'all want any more uh, to convince Marvel to print more Gwen comics, you either got to go buy the uh, trades, buy the back issues, pre-order Gwenverse, go make human sacrifices to Null, whatever. Yeah, it, it kind of breaks me a little bit because obviously we don't know if there's going to be any good, um, especially with uh, with the sort of creative team being the way it is. Uh, but yes, if you want Marvel to make more Gwen 65 comics, I'm afraid the answer to doing that is by pre-ordering Spider-Gwen Gwenverse on Comixology uh, or from your local comic book store. Um, that that is what will get through to Marvel the 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 most. Um, uh, yeah. Again, and I don't want to say anything <laughs> ominous, but I think um, uh, Gwenverse might have something to do with me. Um, may or may not having to do a blood sacrifice. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, t- no people were hurt in in no no one was no no one was hurt. Okay, but there was blood involved. <laughs> Okay, noted. I'm not gonna get in your bad side, Abigail. I'll uh <laughs> No. But no, I have my ways. Oh, oh. <laughs> well, um it's our podcast for today. Yep. Well, it's been a pleasure. Thank you everybody. I've been Pax. And I've been Abigail. Okay, bye bye. Gwen forever. Gwen forever. <laughs> <laughs>